Welcome to the 3ABN Australia Radio Book Reading Program. The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, is an inspirational account of the life and ministry of Jesus. What you are about to hear is a dramatized audio version of this book, created by Nancy Hamilton Myers. To download your free copy, visit the Desire of Ages Project.com. Listen now as Nancy continues to read from The Desire of Ages. The Desire of Ages, Chapter 46. He was transfigured. Evening is drawing on as Jesus calls to his side three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and leads them across the fields and far up a rugged path to a lonely mountainside. The Saviour and his disciples have spent the day in travelling and teaching, and the mountain climb adds to their weariness. Christ has lifted burdens from mind and body of many sufferers. He has sent the thrill of life through their enfeebled frames. But he also is compassed with humanity. And with his disciples he is wearied with the ascent. The light of the setting sun still lingers on the mountaintop and gilds with its fading glory the path they are travelling. But soon the light dies out from hill as well as valley. The sun disappears behind the western horizon and the solitary travellers are wrapped in the darkness of night. The gloom of their surroundings seems in harmony with their sorrowful lives, around which the clouds are gathering and thickening. The disciples do not venture to ask Christ whether he is going or for what purpose. He has often spent entire nights in the mountains in prayer. He whose hand formed mountain and valley is at home with nature and enjoys its quietude. The disciples follow where Christ leads the way, yet they wonder why their master should lead them up this toilsome ascent when they are weary and when he too is in need of rest. Presently Christ tells them that they are now to go no farther. Stepping a little side from them, the man of sorrows, pours out his supplications with strong crying and tears. He prays for strength to endure the test in behalf of humanity. He must himself gain a fresh hold on omnipotence, for only thus can he contemplate the future. And he pours out his heart longings for his disciples, that in the hour of the power of darkness, their faith may not fail. The dew is heavy upon his bowed form, but he heeds it not. The shadows of night gather thickly about him, but he regards not their gloom. So the hours pass slowly by. At first the disciples unite their prayers with his in sincere devotion, but after a time they are overcome with weariness, and, even while trying to retain their interest in the scene, they fall asleep. Jesus has told them of his sufferings. He has taken them with him that they might unite with him in prayer. Even now, he is praying for them. The Saviour has seen the gloom of his disciples and has longed to lighten their grief by an assurance that their faith has not been in vain. Not all, even of the twelve, can receive the revelation he desires to give. 
Only the three who are to witness his anguish in Gethsemane have been chosen to be with him on the mount. Now the burden of his prayer is that they may be given a manifestation of the glory he had with the Father before the world was, that his kingdom may be revealed to human eyes, and that his disciples may be strengthened to behold it. He pleads that they may witness a manifestation of his divinity that will comfort them in the hour of his supreme agony with the knowledge that he is of a surety the Son of God, and that his shameful death is a part of the plan of redemption. His prayer is heard. While he is bowed in lowliness upon the stony ground, suddenly the heavens open, the golden gates of the city of God are thrown wide, and holy radiance descends upon the mount, enshrouding the Savior's form. Divinity from within flashes through humanity and meets the glory coming from above. Arising from his prostrate position, Christ stands in godlike majesty. The soul agony is gone. His countenance now shines as the sun and his garments are white as the light. The disciples awakening behold the flood of glory that illuminates the mount. In fear and amazement, they gaze upon the radiant form of their master. As they become able to endure the wondrous light, they see that Jesus is not alone. Beside him are two heavenly beings in close converse with him. They are Moses, who upon Sinai had talked with God, and Elijah, to whom the high privilege was given, granted to but one other of the sons of Adam, never to come under the power of death. Upon Mount Pisgah, 15 centuries before, Moses had stood gazing upon the land of promise, but because of his sin at Meribah, it was not for him to enter there. Not for him was the joy of leading the host of Israel into the inheritance of their fathers. His agonized entreaty, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon, was refused. The hope that for 40 years had lighted up the darkness of the desert wanderings must be denied. A wilderness grave was the goal of those years of toil and heart-burdening care. But he who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think had in this measure answered his servant's prayer. Moses passed under the dominion of death, but he was not to remain in the tomb. Christ himself called him forth to life. Satan the tempter had claimed the body of Moses because of his sin, but Christ the Savior brought him forth from the grave. Moses upon the Mount of Transfiguration was a witness to Christ's victory over sin and death. He represented those who shall come forth from the grave at the resurrection of the just. Elijah, who had been translated to heaven without seeing death, represented those who will be living upon the earth at Christ's second coming and who will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye 
at the last trump, when this mortal must put on immortality and this corruptible must put on incorruption. Jesus was clothed with the light of heaven, as he will appear when he shall come the second time without sin unto salvation. For he will come in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Savior's promise to the disciples was now fulfilled. Upon the mount, the future kingdom of glory was represented in miniature. Christ the King, Moses a representative of the risen saints, and Elijah of the translated ones. The disciples do not yet comprehend the scene, but they rejoice that the patient teacher, the meek and lowly one, who has wandered to and fro, a helpless stranger, is honored by the favored ones of heaven. They believe that Elijah has come to announce the Messiah's reign and that the kingdom of Christ is about to be set up on the earth. The memory of their fear and disappointment they would banish forever. Here, where the glory of God is revealed, they long to tarry. Peter exclaims, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. The disciples are confident that Moses and Elijah have been sent to protect their master and to establish his authority as king. But before the crown must come the cross. Not the inauguration of Christ as king, but the decrease to be accomplished at Jerusalem is the subject of their conference with Jesus. Bearing the weakness of humanity and burdened with its sorrow and sin, Jesus walked alone in the midst of men. As the darkness of the coming trial pressed upon him, he was in loneliness of spirit, in a world that knew him not. Even his loved disciples, absorbed in their own doubt and sorrow and ambitious hopes, had not comprehended the mystery of his mission. He had dwelt amid the love and fellowship of heaven, but in the world that he had created, he was in solitude. Now heaven had sent its messengers to Jesus, not angels, but men who had endured suffering and sorrow and who could sympathize with the Savior in the trial of his earthly life. Moses and Elijah had been co-laborers with Christ. They had shared his longing for the salvation of men. Moses had pleaded for Israel, Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. Elijah had known loneliness of spirit as for three years and a half of famine he had borne the burden of the nation's hatred and its woe. Alone he had stood for God upon Mount Carmel. Alone he had fled to the desert in anguish and despair. These men, chosen above every angel around the throne, had come to commune with Jesus concerning the scenes of his suffering and to comfort him with the assurance of the sympathy of heaven. The hope of the world, the salvation of every human being was the burden of their interview. Through being overcome with sleep, the disciples heard little of what passed between Christ 
and the heavenly messengers. Failing to watch and pray, they had not received that which God desired to give them, a knowledge of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. They lost the blessing that might have been theirs through sharing his self-sacrifice. Slow of heart to believe with these disciples, little appreciative of the treasure with which heaven sought to enrich them. Yet they received great light. They were assured that all heaven knew of the sin of the Jewish nation in rejecting Christ. They were given a clearer insight into the work of the Redeemer. They saw with their eyes and heard with their ears things that were beyond the comprehension of man. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And they realized that Jesus was indeed the Messiah to whom patriarchs and prophets had witnessed and that he was recognized as such by the heavenly universe. While they were still gazing on the scene upon the mount, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. As they beheld the cloud of glory, brighter than that which went before the tribes of Israel in the wilderness, as they heard the voice of God speak in awful majesty, that caused the mountain to tremble. The disciples fell smitten to the earth. They remained prostrate, their faces hidden, till Jesus came near and touched them, dispelling their fears with his well-known voice. Arise and be not afraid. Venturing to lift up their eyes, they saw that the heavenly glory had passed away. The forms of Moses and Elijah had disappeared. They were upon the mount, alone with Jesus. Join us next time as Nancy Hamilton Myers continues her dramatized audiobook, The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen G. White. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.